Witty Nation. What is going on? Welcome everyone to episode 75 of the Witty Not Funny Sports Podcast. I'm one self-rated podcast about sports entertainment and everything in between and part of the Built-In Buffalo Podcast Network. Go follow us on Twitter, on Instagram, at WittySports716. Follow Built-In Buffalo at Built-In Buffalo underscore. We are your hosts. I am Matt Greggle. He is Tony Ambrose. Tony, what's going on, buddy? How do, man? Hello, Witty Nation. Great to talk to you once again. No song this week? Uh, you, well, you caught me with my tail between my legs. I <laughs> have in front of me the rhymezone.com list of what rhymes with witty, hoping that it was going to incite some inspiration in me. But looking at this list... Yeah. I'm not coming up with any songs. Not that feeling are it. Based on this. You're you're in you're in playoff mode mindset. I mean, in the witty of <laughs> Buffalo, because we're witty in Buffalo. Witty rhymes the city. Thank you, Rhyme Zone. Thank you, Rhyme Zone. Coming through in the clutch. Hundred percent rhyme rating. Coming on that through. One. I can see why. Crunch time. <laughs> rhyme Zone's a great website. Oh, a hundred percent. Rhyme Zone's gotten me out of many jams, just like tonight. <laughs> Tony, uh, I I also know uh, you as well as myself are uh, frequent Wordle fans, aren't we? I, I'm a Wordle guy. I'm a Wordle guy. Such a simple really? concept has taken over my life. <laughs> I'm, I'm upset you, that I can only do one a day. That's that's why it's successful. That's the key to their success. You think so? Oh yeah, withholding that little bit to create the addiction. Oh yeah, that's how they get you. Today I was really proud of myself. Got it on the third try. No big deal. Not showing third off line. at all. No, third line. <laughs> that is impressive. Whatever. That is impressive. Mm-hmm. How can we petition the 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 Wordle company to to do witty as a as a word of the day? Mm. Yeah, are they going to start doing sponsored words? Ooh, Interesting question. I like it. I would say that's the natural business model progression. <laughs> I think so. Tony, before we get into the nitty gritty of the episode here, I think it's only right to dedicate this episode to Betty White and Bob Saget, two witty legends. R.I.P. Gone too soon. Well, Betty White was pretty old, but again, I think we should dedicate Still this episode to them. Still too soon. She's a national treasure. Still too soon for my taste. National treasure. I, I agree. Big part of our, our childhood growing up. I mean, Full House was a, a TGIF staple. Of course, until it moved to Tuesdays at 8. I know. Terrible it's move. Terrible Terrible yeah. move. Very interesting move. Very questionable. <laughs> And then, uh, lest we forget, you know, a lot of people say that about Full House. I think of Bob Saget more so as Ted Mosby. Oh, older Ted Mosby. Yes, narrator Ted Mosby. That That's funny you say that, because I think of Bob Saget most for his cameos on the show Entourage, mm. which were very funny. See, even second to How I Met Your Mother, then I think of Dirty Work. He directed that, yeah, classic movie. Mm-hmm. Classic movie. Mm-hmm. And again, Norm MacDonald, gone too soon. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Tony, we got a packed show for the listeners, though, as later on, we welcome Pat Lane of Patriots Nation Podcast to preview this big wild card Bills-Patriots rubber match coming up on Saturday night. But first, Tony, before we get into the Bills-Jets and Bills-Patriots and anything Bills, let's talk about this crazy Week 18 of the NFL. I mean, it's our first ever Week 18. Let's go around the NFL, talk about some games, talk about the aftermath of it. I think we got to start with the Chargers Raiders had big implications on Sunday night for the Bills and who they would face. I was pulling for the tie, not only because it would have been awesome to see all the articles about how Vegas lost a ton of money because there was a lot of people who parlayed for the gambling crowd there, parlayed a Jacksonville win against Indy with 
the tie for the Chargers Raiders, and that would have been crazy for the sports books. I was going like the extreme route of yes, because the Jacksonville Jaguars beat the Indianapolis Colts earlier in the day, a tie would have got both the Raiders and the Chargers into the playoffs. Why didn't they just take knees the whole game? That's exactly what I, why I was rooting for a tie. It was like the <laughs> universe said, "Yeah, I know that you feel like you have to play, but you don't. Just listen to what. Just listen to you know what is being presented to you. Just tie, make an alliance, and that's why I was rooting for it. it was basically I was rooting for the tie because I just wanted to see like chaos being sown, <laughs> right, in this unique situation and the league just collapsing. Yes, exactly. The system is broken. Yeah, especially yeah. for the for the first week eighteen. I could just visualize Roger Goodell on that big draft chair he sat in during the draft, the remote draft, just like white knuckling it, just fuming at both teams, just taking knees the entire game. That would have been, you're right, absolute chaos, and it would have been absolute perfection, in my opinion. Something history-making, never seen before, obviously. And not only should that have happened, but it didn't, and whatever, you talk about the spirit of the game and I, I don't know why there wasn't any gentleman's agreement when they went to overtime just say hey this game is going to end in a tie no matter what mm-hmm. like why i don't know why that didn't play out it boggles my mind honestly me as well i would have liked to have seen the tie yeah that would have been and i, I would have liked to have seen them consciously decide for the tie right just off the coin flip just be like we don't care we're tying this game <laughs> off that yeah, overtime coin even, flip yes this would never have happened or had the chance to play out if the Indianapolis Colts beat the Jacksonville Jaguars earlier in the day. That was crazy. I I think between those two games and how they affected the playoffs, I think the craziest part of Sunday for me was Jake Fromm leading the Giants in their final game of the season and doing two quarterback sneaks on a second and nine and a third and eight play. (laughs) What could have been with Jake Fromm and being a Bills quarterback, Tony? I think that we found out on Sunday what could have been. I think so, too. And this is not a future I want to live in. No. I'm glad that we're not living in the future. I'm glad that's, I presume, the USFL's problem. Yes. Or the fan control football league or... Oh, is that still happening? Oh, yeah. They just got a big, I think, like, capital investment for some reason. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> yeah. So I think that's happening. I think it's it's uh, it's growing, I think. so. Yeah. Well, with Johnny Football backing it. What do you expect? Right, right. That that can only be successful. Mm-hmm. Put that guy's name on anything, it's a success, right? That's exactly what I'm saying. As long as it's not the name of an NFL team. <laughs> right. Because of the results Sunday, a lot of coaches and GMs fired on Monday. Just to go down the list, Chicago fired Matt Nagy. I was surprised uh, him and Ryan Pace, the GM, lasted that long after drafting MVP Mitch Trubisky and giving up all his draft picks for him. Denver fired Vic Fangio. Minnesota fired Mike Zimmer and their GM, Rick Spielman. But don't don't fret, listeners. Mike Zimmer now just has to go live an ultra-tough life with his millions of dollars he made from coaching and his supermodel girlfriend that's 25 years younger than him. So I guess thoughts and prayers with Mike Zimmer. Miami shockingly fired Brian Flores. And the New York Giants, who we just mentioned, fired Joe Judge. And uh, their GM, Dave Gettleman, former Brandon Bean mentor, retired, which I don't think he retired. I think he was fired. But what is the most shocking one? Is it is it the Dolphins firing Flores after winning, what, eight straight? It seems like to end the year. I do have that as my most shocking. I always thought Flores was kind of destined to be a good coach. Like, it seemed like he had the right 
ideas and philosophies in mind that it was going to be the long-term plan to turn the Dolphins around. Right. Um, which is often the right plan, as we have seen with our with our, with own, our own organization. Yeah. Right. And yeah, I kind of thought he was right. I kind of thought he had the right head on his shoulders, unfortunately for us. But I think that the biggest feather in his cap is that he had a pretty good set of accomplishments when you broke it down with Tua. Right. I mean, a lot, a lot of these firings are classic NFL firings that are just another sort of a result of a coach that bet on the wrong horse or was dealt the bad hand right. of the wrong horse. Two is the bad horse. Yes, exactly. Two is the bad horse. Thank you for explaining the metaphor for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and so he just kind of like was he was just playing you know the wrong horse and, and that was kind of it so he kind of got a i hope he gets another chance for his sake i guess i think of anyone he deserves another chance yeah absolutely a tough day for belichick disciples i'll tell you that brian forrest fired joe judge mm-hmm. fired belichick disciples do not have a good track record in terms of being coming and having success as head coaches in the nfl you look at yeah. joshua daniels with denver you look at yeah. matt patricia with the line the pencil the pencil behind the ear guy Matt Patricia with the Lions. I don't. I don't know what it is. Honestly, with Belichick disciples, I. I think they try to implement the Patriot way, quote unquote. I've seen these stories now with both Joe Judge and Matt Patricia when he was with the Lions of having this like quote unquote tough guy mentality, like going old school with it in terms of disappointing players by making them run laps and all. Like these guys make millions of dollars. They've played a, this game for years on it. Like they're not running laps or. <laughs> They don't want to do that stuff. Like and we see this tough guy mentality just fail time and time again. Where we look at our own organization with Sean McDermott, I think he strikes the right balance of of tough and also being the, for lack of a better term, players coach. Seems like the players really respect what he does, and the camaraderie between the players and coaches is really strong in the Bills locker room. It feels like he can be tough when he wants to be, not running laps tough, but holding guys accountable tough. I think it's a very interesting trend to see Belichick have so much success throughout his career and whether you want to attribute that to the coach himself or the the personnel he was he was gifted with the story remains the same he's had he's one of the best coaches ever so to have guys he's handpicked and hired and uh, had helped garner that success in the Patriots fail so miserably other places that, that's the shocking story to me do you well let me ask you this do you think that he purposely withholds the mentorship towards people coaching that he doesn't tell them that much of the patriot way but even his assistant coaches are just are just mere you know cogs in the system yeah that's a good question you're saying like he's the one running the show like they're just figureheads they're not really doing much of the influencing uh yes i would say that and yeah. i would say that he i mean we see him in press conference we know what kind of communicator he is a great and one. i would say that he's <laughs> yeah i would say that he's also not really communicating a lot of what is happening in his brain towards the approach to a game or you know sauces i think he's i think he's not necessarily saying like okay we're gonna do a bunch of this or not a lot of rationale is being shared yeah or even just the subtle nuances are not being shared and so when you leave him you kind of just like you don't get it yeah i think that's a good question maybe we should ask our pat's friend oh, yes. I, think, I think it's interesting we have a, a guest coming up on this episode who's does a patriots podcast a pat's podcast named pat i think that's funny we can ask him this question. I think it would be great. Tony, finally, the Washington football team announced on February 2nd, 2022, to 
2-2 that they are going to have a big announcement about the team name. I don't know if it's sticking with Washington football team and they're trolling everyone or they're changing the name, but I thought we could help them out a little here to end the first segment. Let's come up with a couple uh, witty suggestions that Washington can take up for their new team name. Tony, you do the honors. Go first. Oh, okay. Doing some witty Washington team name action here. Let's see. My first proposal for the Washington team name, and this is one that I have to let the marketing department do the rest because it's not <laughs> quite blowing off the tongue. But I'm going to say it's the Washington Gibbs Fetchers. <laughs> the, the give the give fetchers the gibbs fetchers because of course you how do you know, spell that you, it's a hyphenated okay g-i-b-b-s hyphen f-e-t-c-h-e-r-s gotcha so joe gibbs the, yes yeah. it is a reference to joe gibbs the and then fetch of course is what's the deal with fetch the the chevy chase movie no oh that's fletch sorry yeah, this is ahead. right this is a reference to the likes of mean girls oh fetch, i like fetch. it stop trying stop trying to make fetch happen yes well if there's one thing i know about the history of the washington football team in any iteration is that they're always trying to make joe gibbs happen that's, no one wants it i like We're it done. they're just always trying to make joe gibbs happen joe gibbs took us to a Super Bowl. Ever since then, it's just, let's bring Joe Gibbs back. Let's put Joe <laughs> Gibbs on the picture. Let's have a, let's see what Joe Gibbs feels about this one. Let's get Joe Gibbs in the in the building for some reason. Yes. Let Joe Gibbs be a, some kind of a consultant or something. Right. They're always trying to make Joe Gibbs happen. Stop trying to make Joe Gibbs happen. It's not going to happen. <laughs> I feel like we the Bills did that with Marv for the longest time, during the especially oh, during the sure. early, early drought years. Yeah, we were the Marv Fetchers for a yeah. time. <laughs> yes, absolutely. The Gib Fetchers, love it. Tony, my first suggestion, I, I, I was trying to picture or, or get in a mental state of, of unity in what is, a, what is a figure, what is a symbol that everyone can get behind and support, that everyone loves. Tony, I'm going with the Washington Carl Winslows. Yep, yep. The pride of Chicago. The pride of Chicago in Washington. <laughs> I'm just looking at a, a, a wholesome figure. I, I think for PR purposes, that would just be the right move for the Washington football team to make in this. And I can't think of any better representation than Carl Winslow himself. Nobody can be upset with that. I, Unless you I'm don't love Carl Winslow. And I've never met anyone who doesn't love Carl Winslow. Yeah, I mean, he's very formative to everybody involved. And anybody who who had the opportunity to soak in his wisdom, right. the old Winslow wisdom, was a better was better because of it. Exactly. And the Washington football team, through all the the email scandals and bad owners, like they could use that wisdom moving forward to change the organization around. The Carl Winslows is my first suggestion. Tony, what's your number two? My number two. Uh, also goes in the direction of a media, not in TV like you went, but towards the movies. Okay. I'm proposing the Washington Blank Men. Classic Damon Wayne's movie. Classic, classic Damon Wayne's movie. Took place in Washington, D.C. David Allen Greer, co-starring here for Blank yep. Man. He's the hero we all needed. We watched him as he reunited Washington, D.C., ridded the city of crime <laughs> with advanced technology and unbridled heroism. I, I, I also, love it. Also, shout out to Mr. Stone, 
portrayed by Jason Alexander. That's right. It's, got, it's, a, it's a film that has everything you need. It's a hero that has everything the city deserves. Well, let's get Blank Man back in our nation's capital in the form of 53 dressed in maroon and gold. <laughs> I think that's a great suggestion. The The description for Blank Man is a simpleton inventor becomes a superhero with a bulletproof costume and a low budget. If that doesn't describe the Washington football team, you need a bulletproof costume and have a low budget to change your organization around. Uh, I don't know what does. I think that's a great suggestion. The Blank Men? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it pains me to say it because I generally have a personal rule that I don't like team names that don't end in S. But here, I you know, my hands were tied. I have to say blank men. I think they could do something cool with the face mask, too, and make it like that Ninja Turtles-esque two eyes <laughs> poked out. Oh, for sure. <laughs> like, and they could have, like, like stripes on the sleeves. They could have stripes on the sleeves that are, like, the floral print of the sheet he wears as his cape. Yes, so many possibilities with this suggestion. Oh, tons. Love it. Tony, I'm going back to TV with my second suggestion, and and I was just looking for something just kind of plain, again, that nobody can really argue with. I'm going to the show Community. I'm going Washington Human Beings. Oh, yes, of course. Yes. The pride of uh, Greendale, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and a great fair way to amend the... Uh, the movie you'll know, never get? No, I was going to say, like, the racial implications behind their prior name. Exactly. In the, in the genesis of this whole thing. <laughs> right. This goes plain as plain can be. Something that describes every single person, the human beings, I, th- I think is very fitting in this scenario. Tony, third and, third and final suggestion. For my third and final suggestion, I have to go into Washington, D.C. itself, into Georgetown. I have to go to 1226 36th Street Northwest in Washington, D.C. I'm proposing to you the Washington Tombs. The Washington Tombs. Man, I paused dramatically so that everyone who's listening in their car could go, yes! Yes. Yes. Is, now, this, is this a national treasure reference? Oh, oh, it's not. It's a it's a life and times reference. Oh, okay. And by life and times, I mean my own life and times. And it's a reference to a little movie from the late 80s starring the Brat Pack known as St. Elmo's Fire. <laughs> because the tombs is a bar in Georgetown, if you're unfamiliar. That's the real bar that St. Elmo's Fire was based on. Oh, wow. And Hitting uh, you with anytime the facts. I've been to the tombs, which is twice, I've had the time of my life. <laughs> so I do love the tombs. I think that the tombs is a great location of unity for a generation and then some. Really multiple generations, spanning the generations of Georgetown students and Washington, D.C. residents alike. And St. Elmo Fires fans. And St. Elmo, yes, absolutely. Go <laughs> beyond the borders of the district. And St. Elmo Fires fans. To, they can go down to the tombs, have a great time, and maybe they can be like me. Leave the tombs at last call, get into an Uber with a driver, Deshaun, whereas Deshaun would then stop the Uber, <laughs> pull over on a skyscraper laid in City Street in Washington, D.C., to catcall a woman who then was eating it up and then he got out of the car while the Uber was in the middle of <laughs> while the Uber was in the middle of the street to give her a hug and saying, Girl, you're beautiful and she loved it. And then fast forward to two thirty in the morning when we're on our way back, now having seen Deshaun just spit his best game right. to random women on the Washington on the streets of Washington DC at two in the morning. To have him continue to tell us about great lunch places 
to ask him and me specifically exchange numbers and agree to go to one of those lunch places together the following day. <laughs> you you took me there. I I, I like Man, it. I, if if he texted me the next day when I was in the Holocaust Museum, <laughs> I did not return the text. <laughs> but I do have Deshaun's number in my phone. Okay. <laughs> Deshaun, if you're out there, this this is a Craigslist misconnection. Like we need to. In many ways, it is. <laughs> we need to make this happen. In many ways, it is. And I don't want him to get insulted. I know his name is Deshaun. I I feel like it's coming across as Deshaun. Is it Deshaun Watson? Deshaun. No, it's, De- okay. it's Deshaun, like the mustard. Oh, Deshaun. Yeah. So if your name is Deshaun, Good. don't like hang out with Deshaun more Watson. Like the mustard, like a J. <laughs> Uh, you know, like a, yes. like a, not a soft J, but a gotcha. smooth J sound. That is. <laughs> if you're out there, I do respect you enough to know your real name, and I will see you for lunch at the wharf someday. <laughs> if not in this life, then the next. Make it happen. Listeners, help Tony out. Hashtag finding Dijon. <laughs> Hashtag finding we're gonna run with that one uh i love the idea i don't I don't think i can get behind it unless they get john parr to do the anthem every single game john parr john parr who sings saint almost fire man in motion see oh okay see i would have thought you would want you no judge judge hirsch oh. to come in and play saxophone for the anthem okay well yeah let's get him no, for, forgive me rob Lowe. rob Lowe played saxophone no we're getting john parr here come on I'm getting the real deal that's a duet no, <laughs> not rob Lowe. not some Back alley has been like Rob Lowe. Where's an NFL hat? Not that guy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Forgot about the NFL hat. Tony, my third suggestion real quick uh, as we wrap up. It, it's very simple. The Washington VPNs. <laughs> Virtual think, private networks. Right. I, I think a lot of people in their cars also just shouted out yes. <laughs> Once again. Like, yes, that... Makes too much sense. Makes too much sense for what has gone down with that mm-hmm. with that organization this year. <laughs> Tony, I, I think those are great suggestions. But we got a lot of Bills to talk about, speaking of Week 18 happenings. You ready to talk some Bills Jets? Yeah, enough of talking about Washington. Enough it's talking about Washington. <laughs> I'm going to go watch St. Elmo's Fire, and uh, we'll be back to talk some Bills Jets after the break. Take it away, Marv. Go, go. Bills fight, Bills go. Come on, let's win for Buffalo. And we are back, Tony, week 18. We start off our game review the same way we start off every week. That's with the So Bad It's Good review. You got your notepad and your pen ready? I'm ready. My yellow legal notepad is ready for this. It's all I use it for. <laughs> really? The, the, just this 30 seconds, this next 30 seconds. Here we go, Tony. No, I'm on a Google Doc. Oh, no, great. No. Well, you, you switched it up on me. Now I'm flummoxed. I'm flustered. My, I don't know what well, to do. Well, yeah, my goal is to break your rhythm as much as I can. <laughs> you, you've succeeded, sir. <laughs> Here we go. Week 18 brought the Jets and Zach Wilson Phillips into town where they were holding on to one more play as everyone at the Ralph was wondering what day somebody's going to turn around and make the Jets want to say goodbye, to which the Bills defense replied, today, today is that day. Another strong performance from the Bills' run game led by the offensive line and Ryan Bates Motel going psycho, opening up lanes as Devin was living the Singletary life as he don't need no RB2 holding him down. Totaling over 100 all-purpose yards and two touchdowns. Get the slime cannons out and get Stick Stickly on the phone to tell him we have an MVP sighting as the wild crazy kid Mitch Trubisky finished out the game as the Bills are back to being AFC champs like Jordan 96-97 back-to-back with a 27-10 victory over the Jets. That's all I got, Tony. At the beginning, I'm like, mm, because I thought <laughs> you had lost me completely. 
Because all I could hear in my mind was, when you can turn around and make the jet say goodbye. Yeah, right? Like, I was just singing it. Like, my brain started singing it. You have to. When you said it. And I was like, well, I'm not going to be able to listen to a single more word of this. <laughs> right. Until I heard two words that turned my brain right around. Those two words, stick stickly. <laughs> He's the true MVP. He's the true MVP. Me. Is right. Mm-hmm. It is weird that, like, when that Wilson Phillips song comes on, you just, like, your brain automatically starts playing it. Like, Harold and Kumar, Bridesmaids. Look at those scenes in those movies. The song just comes on. People bond. People just start singing it. Like, it's the oddest song. Like, it's it's insanely (laughs) catchy. Timeless. I want (laughs) Don't you know things will change? (laughs) You just got to sing it. You, you yeah, I mean, I would say next episode, there's a real good chance that's going to be the song when I introduce myself. <laughs> good. <laughs> Keep it rolling. Keep yeah, it rolling. Absolutely. Tony, I mean, I'm going to stay up all night singing the song anyway. So. <laughs> Glad we could help. Tony, speaking of things that never change, the Bills, back-to-back years, clinching the AFC East title. What, do, what does this mean to you, or what is your feeling with this second straight AFC East division championship? Just just your overall thoughts. What, what are you feeling about this organization as, as they clinch this divisional championship? Uh, if we're talking about feelings, I would say that it's best articulated in the divisional champs t-shirts that are going around this season. And that those run the East. I do like it. Like that's how that's kind of how it feels is what you win the division championship one year after Tom Brady leaves okay like that could happen is this going to be a cycle of competitiveness between amongst teams and sometimes they're good sometimes they're bad or is this going to be Bills run the East and to go back to back twice to see how this championship has prompted so many other sort of backslash comparisons slash statistics surrounding the McBean era I feel very validated Yeah, that the Bills run the East. This is how it works. Try coming through us because the Bills run the East. So it makes me feel, makes me feel very validated, very stable, very much like we've gone from this is what we're trying for to this is now an expectation for everyone in the organization and outside the organization. Yeah, I, I think validated is a really good word to describe how I feel as well. It's not only that the team is successful, but... And, and not even being a, a fan and looking kind of from the outside in, it's so easy to root for these guys. Even if I wasn't a fan of the Bills, it's like they don't have one player who you can hate on this team, I feel like. Like, for so many years. I can think of a few. You can? Uh, yeah. Like, His name is Bobby Hart. <laughs> okay. Yes, I'm sorry. Bobby Hart is one player on this team <laughs> 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 who we can collectively hate. Yes, good call. I'm sorry. Rewind, scratch a record. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I'm just saying, like, for all those Patriots dynasty years, not only did we hate Tom Brady because Patriots are our rival and continuously beat us, but that's a guy, like, I feel like the whole league kind of hated. Every fan base hate it like it seems like every team has at least one of those players that that, whether you're a fan or not you can see why other football fans casual or not hate your team or this guy and like look up and down the roster other than Bobby Hart and I don't see like that that player for the bill like Josh Allen's obviously the face of the franchise I feel like nobody can really hate you can hate Baker Mayfield even in Cleveland for those progressive commercials but you can't hate Josh Allen He's just so wholesome and and goofy and 
genuine, he's very easy to root for. And that's, if I wasn't a fan, I, I could make the same exact statement. 100% agree. Especially for Josh Allen. Nobody can hate on Josh Allen. And even anytime you see online, like, a message from another fan talking about the Bills, they're like, yeah, but, like, even I'll admit, Josh Allen's pretty cool. And it's like, yeah, we all have to admit Josh Allen's pretty cool. We get it. We know. We know. He's the best. At the bottom, he's the best. And speaking of that team charisma, it showed through during the post-game celebrations, I'd say. More than it usually does, whether it's dancing in practice or post-game press conference stuff and them joking around with each other, whatever, or any of the Bills media snippets. But that celebration in the locker room, I watched a seven-minute Deion Dawkins video. I don't know what you saw or what the listeners saw, but just that that was a perfect example of the team camaraderie. We even had Harrison Phillips spitting bars, like... This 300-pound white dude spitting rat bar. Like, it just shows how close this team is, I think. And it, it's it's great to see. It does. And what I like about it is, speaking of validation, it shows that they've been on the same journey we have. Yeah. You know, especially to right. see people from, like, the original McDermott draft. Right. Kind of have, like, have this built, strong bond and relationship. We've been on this journey with them, and they've been on this journey with us of seeing things, and it's not the usual kind of revolving door. And it's and it's not the sort of, like, dehumanizing roster movements that we see throughout sports. Right. There's a wholesomeness to that as well, to see the bond, the truth between a team that has remained that unified in this unchanged. It's not like the NBA where it's like the teams are irrelevant and the cities are irrelevant. It's just like we're going to scramble everything up and then, and then like organize like, yo, let's have this be our five and see how it goes. And But it's it's something truer. It's like old-timey. It's like old-timey sports. With yeah. Bills. The, the, bond is, the bond is real. We saw that in the post-game press conference with the secondary bringing Trey White's jersey to the, <laughs> to the table. Uh, we always talk about Josh and how he is Mr. Buffalo and what, and he just kind of gets it. Like he gets how to personify the city and what we're looking for as a, as an ambassador to Buffalo in this organization, people of the city, just little things like that. Like bringing Trey White's Jersey to the press con, like they just get it. They get what this team is about and what the city's about. They play for each other and they work hard. Like just little stuff like that just goes so far with me. 100%. Me too. So getting into this game, and I don't have really a lot to talk about with this game, Tony, week 18, the Jets. It was significant for the Bills, obviously, because if they win and they didn't know what the Patriots were doing, Patriots ended up, of course, losing to the Dolphins. So the Bills win didn't matter in the end but they controlled their own destiny throughout this game and you know the Jets were playing for obviously nothing so I don't really have a lot to discuss I think the conversation should go more towards how we might look towards the playoffs with it so I want to start with the Bills offense and I don't think I'd make this next statement going into the season or throughout the season going into the playoffs but is the offense the issue on this team I didn't think it would be a concern, but here we are. And Josh, again, I thought struggled at times, definitely did not seem on the same page as any of his receivers, not named Stefan Diggs. Gabe Davis had 14 targets and three catches off those 14 targets, which is unheard of for a guy who who we praise for having such a great catch radius and things like that. He was not on the same page with Dawson Knox on a couple of plays. Is this a concern going into the playoffs here that Josh is, is not on the same page with his receivers? I'm 100% concerned by it. And I'm more concerned because it seems that there's always... Like, it seems a little bit circumstantial. Is it always circumstantial? Is it a weather thing? Personally, I think that I'm starting to find 
a little bit of, I guess, confirmation bias out of ha- having heard Josh say that, you know, he's kind of hoping for a dome <laughs> and that he likes domes. Give Josh what now he wants. I'm, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But now I'm like kind of saying like, yeah, I can tell maybe that Josh doesn't like the cold because in the cold, he does seem off. He does seem bothered. He does seem like not quite in rhythm. Of course, the the ball freezes, his body freezes. So I think that really what I'm looking for to get the, you know, it's a tough balance that Dable had to kind of strike. Because what I'm really looking for is ways that he can call plays that are going to keep Josh warm. That's what I want. Like, I want more, I mean, if it takes, like, designed runs. Right. And even I think that, you know, that big run that he had that was 25-ish yards. Yeah. Or something when he just goes streaking down the field. Gazelle. I think that tremendously helped. Yeah, I think that tremendously helped the passing game and him find his rhythm again. Um, and he was a lot stronger of a quarterback after that. And that sprint and that hit kind of helped him warm up and shake some of the frost off. So I'm going to be looking for if Dable can do that, or are we just going to put our blinders on and pretend that four degrees is not going to bother anybody? Yeah. The weather for Saturday's wildcard game looks, uh, for sure. Frigid to say the least. So is it going to be, so is, is it the offense that has the issue or is, are we just continuing to diagnose circumstances that create adversity for our offense? Yeah. Are we going to work around those? Are we going to adjust for those? Are we just going to keep learning them and pretending they don't exist? Cause I think game to game, Sometimes you see Brian Dable, like, he says he, he's too isolated in these games. He'll be like, okay, this didn't work last game, but there's no reason it won't work this game. Mm-hmm. And I'll be like, well, maybe you shouldn't take that risk, buddy boy. <laughs> like, maybe we could just do what we do know works instead of continually trying to make Joe Gibbs happen. Because Fetch is not going to happen. <laughs> That's just not going to happen, no. Right. I think they were in a, a really odd position. This game is, obviously they wanted to win it to ensure they clinch the division, but the main thing was to get out of this game with no injuries. And looking at the injury report this week, it seemed like they succeeded. And I, I obviously don't have any inside sources, or but I would be so surprised if they went to Josh and said, this is the normal game plan. We're going to do design run play. And it seemed like they threw all those out the playbook because I wouldn't want to get Josh hurt on design run plays or anything like that. It was, he was very just like five-step drop, sit back there, and, and throw. And if it's off, it's off, but we're not going to have you take hits. We're not going to have you run. We just think our talent can beat the Jets, and obviously it did. So I kind of give hesitancy to saying, like, man, the offense looks really off because I I just think they just kind of went out there. And I don't know if it was the normal offense we typically see from, from Dable and Allen. I, I think it's going to be unleashed come Saturday because despite the cold, it's not going to be windy, and it looks – pretty ideal from a alternate factors perspective like yes it's cold but it's not going to be windy there's no snow in the forecast knock on wood it's buffalo it can change in 24 hour span but i guarantee you like they're going to learn their lesson from the first matchup with the patriots and there's going to be a lot of designed josh allen runs especially if the patriots want to play nickel with duggar in the box i would be shocked if allen didn't get like 10 12 carries this coming Saturday. Mm, I think I would be shocked really? by that. Well, actually, I don't know if I'd be shocked, but I would be looking for that to happen if we struggle to get the what has lately been the hot run game out of Singletary going. Yeah. If we struggle to get that going and maybe he wants to ignite the run game then through Josh, which he often does, then, then that's when I could see those kinds of attempts. But I don't know. I don't know if I'm ready to say I'm ready to see that. And I do think that, that they are going to think, 
that the cold is involved because I think we're going to see a lot of drops. Yeah. Because as a result of the weather, so I'm uh, curious to see like where the adjustments go. Yeah. Especially. As a result of not only the weather, but I also don't 100% agree with you. I mean, I do agree with you that, you know, they were trying to keep everyone healthy and that they were trying to keep Josh healthy in this last game. But there has still been a different kind of balance, I think, between running back runs, Josh runs, and pass attempts Mm -hmm. uh, lately. And I do wonder if that balance is the detriment, partially, to, to this pass game. And I wonder... What is it when Brian Dable loses faith in the past game and starts to get a little bit more run heavy? Yeah. Maybe we'll find out on Saturday. Yeah, maybe. That's a great question. I just think, and, and maybe this is my mental state during like prime time highlight games. I just feel like McDermott and Dable do everything they can if it's a national TV audience, high profile game to make Josh Allen the star he should be. Like, we are going to do everything to let Josh win us this game or put the ball in Josh's hands and have him be the talk when we win this game, have him be the talk of all the media. And that's why I think a lot of design runs are are in our forecast here. I don't know why I get I that feeling. I consider that they would be thinking about who to spotlight on national TV, but the evidence is also there. Yeah. I would have to agree with I would you hope that. they don't think that way but it's their prized draft pick it's the franchise quarterback it's who they've staked their claim uh or rode their success on whatever you want to phrase it as but so I, I don't know why i always just that mentality comes over me during these these highlight games it's just like man they're gonna they're gonna put it on josh and, and that's not a bad thing at all josh is fantastic but seeing these past couple weeks that there are alternates on the path to winning these games right and we've relied on the run game thanks to ryan rick bates a lot these past couple weeks and had success at that we've had another successful game this week Devin Singletary again another strong performance and he's really picked it up this last month of the season Uh, this past week he had over 100 all-purpose yards two touchdowns one running one passing we saw a little power run game saw a little Tommy Doyle in there and running situations I've kind of liked the the looks they've they've given this new run game emphasis they have I just mentioned Tommy Doyle in some formations. We see, or at least I see, a lot of more pulls from the offensive linemen using their athleticism. Mitch Moore, Spencer Brown getting out in space, mm-hmm. creating Deion Dawkins, creating situations where Singletary can beat a guy with a single cut or something like that. So I'm liking what they're doing from a run game. And uh, yes, the second and long runs are extremely frustrating still, but I I think they've been doing some nice stuff. And uh, I like the versatility. One thing I've always worried about with this team is if one factor is not working on this offense, what can they fall back on? And I'm hoping they learn their lesson because last year they were primarily a passing team, right? No semblance of a run game. And when Josh faltered, which he did throughout the playoffs, like I love Josh. I think he's awesome. I think he's a top five player in the league, but he didn't perform at his best throughout the playoffs last year. I think we can all agree on that. They didn't really have anything to fall back on. The passing game wasn't working. There was no run game. So I'm hoping this emphasis on the run gives them gives them a plan B. I of course I agree with you. As soon as it was always kind of a risk to be able to say, well, if you take away one aspect of our offense, then you leave us one dimensional, and then maybe we have to fall back on that. But we all, we were already one dimensional last year, right? So it is that it is relieving a little bit. I think that Devin Singletary has been playing so well lately, and of course, all credit be to, as you said, Ryan Rick Bates. <laughs> 
And the deal with that is that now, like, it does make me feel, I don't know, it makes me feel more confident in the playoffs because, you know, last year's foray into the playoffs of going from being such a successful team with such a successful offense and then seeing it just immediately kind of, like, sputter out and struggle a little bit in, in the playoffs, that just kind of made me believe in what Cole Beasley said. Now, kids... You don't always believe what Cole Beasley says. <laughs> but in this case... It, like that's it a dare program thing. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like the Cole but Beasley version is, of the dare program. <laughs> but in this case, it did make me believe in what Cole Beasley said when he said something to the effect of, yeah, this is the playoffs. Like, it's all going to be tough. Everything's yeah. going to be tough. Right. This is the playoffs. This is the playoff teams. The whole game changes. And that really made me have a new respect for the playoffs and for what other teams are doing that playoffs become a different animal and i can appreciate that and i'm seeing that happen in front of my eyes so i now maybe i'm a bit you know scarred or or curious about that to see what's going to happen starting on saturday is this going to be a different animal are we going to be still is devin singletary still going to be hot does everything reset at zero and we find out who's going to be hot maybe josh is going to be hot that would be fun so yeah, would be fun. so that's what I, I don't know that's why I'm kind of saying like yeah I don't know if I'm banking on the run game or the pass game I'm just banking on let's just be talented have a good game plan and get it done yeah I think that's the best the the best way to win and also just don't punt <laughs> yeah it's like, well, let's talk about uh Matt hack and uh hawk hawk hack whatever he was a hack this game for sure oh it, Matt it, hawk is getting his tonight <laughs> An atrocious game from the Bills punter. And it's not like we didn't see this coming, Tony, right? He hasn't been great this year by any stretch. And then to look at this roster and realize we have uh, straight off the, the cover of an adult romance novel, Scottish Hammer, waiting on the practice squad, lying in wait to actually do good punts for this team and help us out and not put us in a position that is detrimental to us winning the game is completely infuriating to me. Put the Scottish hammer in. We need the Scottish hammer in this moment for the playoffs. Madhawk, yeah, sorry, sorry, bud. Your time's up. I'm not a fan. Wow, wow, such strong statements. Yeah, he has not been great this year, but he has been with us this year. I think McDermott values like the loyalty of who's been with us along the way. Um, I think so. And so, I, yeah, I definitely don't anticipate him going there, but I, in that sense, I kind of agree with McDermott. He had a bad game. He had some iffy punts along the way. I don't think that means I'm totally giving up on him, but I'm saying that because I don't care. He's the punter. And <laughs> you, we were really good. you should care if he's putting the opposition on like our 20-yard line to start. Well, I do care because it was the Jets. <laughs> Let me put it that way. Yeah. I do care because he was our punter and it was the Jets. I do remember vividly shouting at him at the game, you can't do that in the playoffs. <laughs> I'm sure so he heard do, you. Yeah, he did. And good. so I do fully agree with your take here as is evidence in the message that I gave him loud and clear. <laughs> but I also think, I don't know, there's like the nostalgic heart-filled part of me is like, what's our goal in the playoffs here is to go all the way. And if we go all the way... Matt Hawk is the team's punter. Yeah. Not the Scottish hand. Like, you know, like he's the team's punter. He should be there. He does He does hold he, the ball really well on field goals. So Absolutely. Like, and that's more common. I guess we got punting, that going. So. <laughs> mm-hmm. Also. If he's not here next year, I'd be fine with that. Yeah, me too. And also, he seems like a really nice guy. Really? Oh, I guess he seems like nice in a way that like the IT guy at your company is nice. Yeah. 
Like, I never talked to him, so I'm just going to assume he's nice because he just looks nice. He looks nice. I think that, I mean, when he asked for the pitcher during the first game that he did not punt, and he was like, wow, what an experience. Like, I don't know. He's taking it all in. <laughs> he's taking an experience in. He's, I don't know the way to describe it, but it struck me the right way. I'll give you that, yeah. And uh, yeah. my second special teams note, uh, Micah Hyde's going to be the punt returner for this team in the playoffs. I think so, too. They don't trust anyone back there other than him. Yeah. To catch the ball, but that that's a catch-22 because I do not want one of my staples of my defense, my Pro Bowl caliber, even though I didn't make the Pro Bowl, Pro Bowl caliber safety back there returning punts, like especially on a negative five-degree night. So, Same, I hate it. I yeah, hate it. I hate it. I, I hate, hate that this is going to happen, and I think it's going to happen. Just let Isaiah McKenzie do it. Yeah, right. Just let him do it. It's a roller coaster ride. Do it, it doesn't matter. Yeah, let him do it. I know. Yeah, whatever. Just let him do it. <laughs> Don't make it hard on yourselves. Tony, let's move on. Let's move on to the defense. I don't have many notes about the defense. Um, it's kind of a broken record. They're really good. Harrison Phillips, again, I thought stood out in his having a breakout season. Ed Oliver stood out. I like that they switched it up and put Ed Oliver at defensive end a couple times this game, and it worked worked pretty well. Again, asterisks because it's the Jets, and they have a shaky offensive line. But I think my main point is, can we all out there in Bill's Mafia, can we start giving some love to Levi Wallace? Yes, he's not Trey White, but in lieu of Trey White's injury, he has stepped up big time, and he has not been the weekly worry that we thought he would be. Because, yes, he hasn't gone up against all-star receivers every week, but he's been completely solid, and I feel like he's always been solid. And I feel like Trey White's at an elite level, and by comparison, Levi Wallace just gets the hate and gets picked on a couple times, but I think he's really stepped up, and... Dane Jackson's played well across from him, and it would be nice to have Trey for this run, but I think the secondary's been perfectly fine, and Levi Wallace has stepped up. And so I want to I want to show some love to, to Levi. Totally fair. Shout out Levi Wallace. I couldn't agree with you more. I'm relieved that I didn't have to worry about him. I thought we'd be talking about the Levi Wallace issue at every recording. Right. But there is, there is no Levi Wallace issue, no. and I hope there continues to not be a Levi Wallace issue. That would be ideal, yes. Also, defensive line, nine sacks. Uh, again, Jets offensive line. But you, you take the positives here. I mean, it's good for these guys to, to kind of get their groove back, if you will. How the Bills line got their groove back. How, their Bills, how the Bills defensive line got their groove back, yes. And that's really all I have now, about the defense. What, what do you think? What do you, what do well, you let me say? ask you this, Matt. Do you think they got shut do. down, or is it just a giant sack? Oh. <laughs> um, the giant sack. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I had about the defense. I mean, the Jets totaled what? Like 80 yards the whole game? Five passing yards? Five passing yards total? Come on. A dominant performance against a mediocre opponent. Not much to say. But again, I, I think it, it's, it bodes well for the outlook for this Saturday night. And again, any any positive, dis- despite the opponent that they can take from this Week 18 game going into the playoffs is A-OK in my book. USA, A-OK. Uh, Tony, any... Simpsons reference. <laughs> yes. Any other notes about the defense? Uh, no, I mean, I think that they are, are just are crushing it. As Robert Saleh said, they're ridiculous. Uh, I'm glad they're my defense. And I'm glad that, like, it's like we were saying between the run game and pass game. Well... I'm really glad that the defense is only getting better every week, even if the offense isn't, because these are the weeks that matter now, these upcoming weeks. Yeah, everyone. And I hope it does become weeks. And if it does become weeks, it's going to be because of the defense. Yeah, I, I agree. 
yeah, that, that's all I got for this game, Tony. Week 18, um, not much to say. So let's move on to the Pats game because that is much more important. Uh, when we get back from our break and a quick word from our sponsor, we will be joined by Pat Lane of Patriots Nation podcast, part of the the, uh, the SB Nation. So awesome, awesome interview we have on, on tap for the listeners here. So I hope you enjoy it. We'll be back uh, after the break. Can't wait. Can't wait, Bart Scott. Oh, the weather outside is frightful, but my drink is so delightfully cold, thanks to Traveling Growler. And since we know place to go, keep it cold, keep it cold, keep it cold with a Traveling Growler koozie. Koozie starting at just $5. Check out www.travelinggrowler.com today. And now, back to the show. And we are back. We now welcome to the pod to help us break down this big Bills Patriots wildcard matchup this weekend. Host of the Patriot Nation podcast, Pat Lane. Pat, welcome to the show, my man. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Pat, we are going to do, I think, the impossible in the next 30, 35 minutes. We are going to shock the world and show everyone that Patriots fans and Bills fans can coexist can, can coexist in a civil manner. Yeah, not on Twitter, but but uh, you know, but on, on the podcast. Matt, I am not sold on this yet. This is the next half hour. <laughs> really need some convincing here. Pat, let's talk about the game. This is destiny, right? For these division rivals to meet in the playoffs for the rubber match round three. Each team, yep. each team winning one previous match in the regular season, but the Patriots, of course, winning and the Bills home turf, uh, running them out of their own stadium in round one. The win bowl, we me and Tony call it. Uh, and yep. then the Bills getting them back in Gillette in round two for the the quote quote unquote make Mac beat us game, as I like to call yep. it. Let's start off there. How do you feel about uh this round three match? matchup wild card uh how do you think the patriots and belichick will approach this matchup sunday as as opposed to how they approached the first two yeah i mean you know it's almost like you take the first one throw it out right i mean you know they're right that's never gonna happen again basically unless you're getting 60 mile an hour gusts of of wind you know so um (laughs) fingers crossed but i know right but you know i think for the second one you look at that game and as bad as the Patriots played, and they played really bad, like really aggressively bad in that game. They were close. I mean, Josh yep. threw that horrendous pass right at J.C. Jackson, and he just dropped it. I mean, he's walking into the end zone, and the Patriots are taking the lead late in the fourth quarter. Now, of course, Bills get the ball back after that, and so who knows, you know, what happens. But, like, you know, it ended up being, you know, a two-score game, but it really wasn't a two-score game. And so – that's for me, when I look at it, I think, okay, the Patriots played just about as bad as you could possibly, you know, as they could possibly do. And they still had a shot at the end of the game. They did the same thing against Miami. Now they ended up losing to Miami by a decent amount because of the, you know, last second lateral for a touchdown. But like, you know, you look at it and say, all right, they played horrendously on Sunday against the, against the Dolphins and they were down three points at the end of the game. So like as bad as these Patriots team, as this Patriots team has played at times, they're in every game they play. Right. And I think that that for me, at least is something good. Now, what I've seen from Mac, even when he struggled, he comes back and he doesn't let that bother him. He has, you know, I, I always go back to the to the Cowboys game when you know he throws the pick six at Trayvon Diggs, picks it off. They take the lead. They stop him on fourth down, or they missed the field goal. I can't remember when they missed the field goal and stop him on fourth. Either way, they get the ball back. You know, up a few, up three points at the end of the game. 
He throws a pick six, and you're like, oh, my God. And the next play, he throws it right at Diggs again for a 75-yard touchdown. And, you know, that's the type of stuff. You just you can't teach that type of confidence. And Matt kind of has that in spades. The problem is he started out so terribly in three out of these last four games that they dig themselves this massive hole, and they can't come back from it. And so, that to me, the first quarter of this game is super important. If it's close at the end of the first quarter, and, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a three-point game or a tie game where the Patriots are leading— the Patriots have a shot to win this thing. If they're down 10 points at the end of the, at the, end of the first quarter, like it could get out of hand really quickly. Yeah, that, that, that's a great point. And that, that's why it frustrates me sometimes. And when the Bills win the toss, especially against a team like the Patriots, where I think Belichick is trying to keep Josh off the field, obviously rely on the run game and Damian Harris having two very good games against the Bills in the regular season. But like, stop deferring. I know you want to go into halftime and make adjustments, but... I want to get a jump on, especially a team like the Patriots who rely on their run game so heavily and get like, like I said, for the second round matchup, make Mac beat us. Like, I think if, I think that's the the key strategy here. And I think that's what they kind of did in the second matchup. And you're right. The first matchup is kind of a throwaway due to the weather. And that was a crazy game in itself, but that second game, Mac only completed two passes over 15 yards. And, you know, it seems like the Bills defense kind of figured it out. But it's that run game that, that really scares me. Tony, what do you think the the Bills need to do this game um, that they didn't do in the in the previous two regular season matchups? I think that it really it's about not beating themselves, especially on account yeah. of the weather and especially on the count of the temperature, but keeping every player hot and calling the plays in such <laughs> a way that's going to keep that are going to keep everyone warm and not not let anyone get into any kind of a funk. Um, you know, especially, obviously, especially Josh, but everybody, like, I just want to see a high-paced, active game plan out of, really, ideally out of both sides of the ball, definitely out of the offense, but I'd love to see it out of, uh, you know, a lot of movement on the defense, too. And it worries me because I see Coach Belichick as someone who's going to, you know, as someone who takes all the nuanced factors of any situation in any game um, and will find ways to exploit them. Things that we haven't necessarily, uh, you know, are thinking of in terms of mainstream football. Um, but he has a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of uh, tricks in his bag for for various situations. Um, so that's kind of what I'm looking. That's kind of what I'm looking for. And I'm curious to see it. I don't know. Maybe, maybe Pat can chime in on that to see if if uh, he thinks that there's going to be any nuances that are brought out for the weather or otherwise or, or just because based on the first things that we've seen in the first couple of games um, and in the first two regular season matchups or is they're going or who are whether it be what are the X factors or who are the X factors that are going to come into play uh, for this game from the Patriots perspective. Yeah. I mean the bill it's funny because the bills the first bills game, of course they can't throw the ball second bills game. You have, you know, Gabe Davis and Beasley both out with COVID, which of course, you know, severely hampers the offense. You're talking about, you know, a guy in Davis who I think is their is their second best weapon. And then, you know, and then Beasley's kind of like their security blanket. Isaiah McKenzie had a great game and he's got he's just fast. He's not that very good, but he's just fast. And so he ran those crossing routes and they just weren't ready for it. And you know, Miles Bryant, love Miles Bryant, but he can't keep I mean, no one on the Patriots can keep up with with Isaiah McKenzie. No one on most teams can keep up with with Isaiah McKenzie when he's just running across the field right and so they didn't have a good plan for that now they're going to be ready for that but then how much are they going to use Isaiah McKenzie this week with you know Davis and Diggs and Beasley back it's like now he's wide receiver four instead of wide receiver two uh and the other problem is that you get those guys back and uh you know Jalen Mills who like look Jalen Mills is not great but he's their number two corner and if you take him out, now you got to put someone else at that spot. So now Miles Bryant slides over to that spot. Okay, well, now Miles Bryant's your number two corner. Well, now who's your third corner? And then who's your fourth corner when they come up? So, like, that 
it's the trickle down effect where it's like, okay, maybe he's not great at that second spot, but their fourth, fifth corners aren't good. And so it's like, now those guys are playing, you know, third corner and you're like, oh my God, like this guy's covering Cole Beasley one-on-one. Like that's not good, you know? So like, so I think that that's going to be an issue. Now we'll see if Mills can technically, he can play on Saturday if he tests negative or if he has no symptoms, I guess is the, is the idea. I don't think he has to test negative anymore, but I think if he has no symptoms on Saturday, he can play. I don't know if it's going to happen or not, but uh, you know, we'll see. So, you know, it's really just going to depend on, on that. I think I really, I honestly, I truly think that like a guy like Beasley, you know, the Patriots dealt with that forever where Edelman was just wide open all the time. And he was just that security blanket to me. Beasley is one of those guys that, you know, is, has an opportunity to be huge for them. Kyle Duggar is a guy that really had a poor game against them the, the second time around. Um, he's going to have to play a lot better. I think Jamie Collins is going to be important because they're going to have to put a spy on Josh Allen. When they go man-to-man coverage on third and long or you know third and eight, third and seven, they go man-to-man coverage. Well, they didn't leave a spy on him. Right. And Matthew Judon did a terrible job of keeping contained on the outside. And so didn't, you know, whoever was on the other side, whether it was Guy or, you know, Uche or whoever ended up being, they did a terrible job keeping contained. And so Allen was able to break the pocket and then either extend the play or just take off and run. And I think that this game, you're going to see a lot more of whether it's Kyle Van Noy or whether it's Jamie Collins, you can see a lot more spying on the quarterback because you can't run man to man coverage in a game like this and allow Josh Allen to get out of the pocket and again, extend the play or just take off and run. And then he's picking up 15, 17, 20 yards. And you're like, well, now we just gave a 20 yards to the, to the quarterback. And so, you know, can, again, the spy I think is just there to to make sure he doesn't do that. And he still has the ability to do that because he's a freak athlete, but like, but not to the, not to the, uh, to the extent that he would without a spy there, I think so. Yeah. Right. And I think that's a great point. And we know Belichick is, uh, we give props where props are due. He's the greatest coach of all time, Uh, but we know he's going to be ready. We know he's going to be playing a chess game. Um, I just think back to a couple of years ago and when they played the Ravens in the playoffs and he threw all these exotic looks at Harbaugh and Harbaugh had no idea if those were even legal, let alone what the hell they were doing out there um, and just confuse the Ravens immensely. So I, I fully expect Belichick to, to, uh, you know, where we expect him to zig, he's going to zag and uh, he's going to have that defense ready for, for Allen and everything. And it's, it's weird. You mentioned Isaiah McKenzie, because as, as listeners of this podcast know, we're huge proponents of Isaiah McKenzie. We, we want him to get the ball more. We think he he's a, a positive play every time he touches the ball and post that Patriots game, when he has the game of his career, he's really done nothing. Right, Tony. I mean, he's kind of faded to the very, yeah, he's been buried on the death chart right again, and everyone seems to be satisfied with that, I guess, because we're winning. But we're not. I think that he's satisfied. Isaiah McKenzie's always <laughs> right. We're not satisfied. <laughs> but I think that it's always we're always saying that, like, oh man, I wish the the offense has the capability to be a lot more layered and a lot more dynamic and right. to be to uh show off to the world that you know we can be good at everything and we don't do it. And right. Isaiah McKenzie is the biggest victim of that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Pat, you uh, mentioned J- Jalen Mills too. Is that is that you where you see the biggest weakness in the Pats D? Is is there maybe lack of depth in the secondary, especially at cornerback? The yes. Oh yeah, big time. And, and you know, part of that is just because you traded away Stephon Gilmore. You lost John Jones for the season, right? You had other guys that were there that are gone. And, you know, that it was some of that was out of your control and some of that was in your control. But when they signed Jalen Mills, they signed Jalen Mills to be a hybrid guy, to be a safety slash corner and, you know, play a little bit of the star role and kind of be around 
and not necessarily play one-on-one man coverage on the outside. Like that's not what he does best. And they kind of knew that. And so they were like, all right, we have Gilmore. We have JC Jackson. Let's bring in Jalen Mills. Hey, you can help out on the outside every now and again, but he's really going to be kind of this hybrid guy. Well, Gilmore hasn't played all year. Of course, they trade Gilmore. John Jones get hurt, gets hurt at the beginning of the season. So now you're kind of stuck in this limbo where you're like, uh, I guess Jalen Mills is our number two corner. Sure. And then Miles Bryant sitting on the practice squad. They bring him up. He's been playing pretty well. But again, like he's he's not a great player. He's, he's good for what he does, but he's not like a game-changing player. John Jones right. is a guy. You stick John Jones on Isaiah McKenzie, he can stay with him. He's got that speed that he can stay with him, and they don't really have another guy that has that type of speed. So, like, it, the cornerback depth, the safety depth uh, is definitely challenged, and, you know, if Mills doesn't play, they're in big trouble uh, as far as, you know, stopping stopping that passing attack because we all know Josh can throw it like crazy. But they have good receivers, too. It's not like – it's not just Josh is throwing to nobodies. Diggs is a monster. Gabe Davis had a great season. And like I say, Beasley is that guy that, like, he's an Edelman-type guy where he's just always open underneath. He's that guy where it's like – I don't know what's going on. Okay, Beast is open underneath somewhere, right? And like, and he is. And so, like, that's, you know, he might only pick up eight yards, six, seven, six, seven yards on a play, but then he'll break a tackle and pick up 12, right? So, like, that's a guy that, that is scary that it's like, we don't, I don't know if they have anyone that can cover that guy. So, like, you know, that's, that's definitely a challenge for them this week because, yeah, the Bills don't run the, and it's funny because the Patriots run defense isn't great, but the Bills don't really run the ball. They don't like to run for some reason. Although Singletary, every time I see him run the ball, he's pretty good, but they just don't give it to him. <laughs> and so, you know, it's like kind of strange, but whatever. But, don't you know, he's boring. I don't know why. <laughs> I do think Singletary is boring. <laughs> he's not like he's not great, but he's like okay. Yeah. He's better yeah. than better yeah, than exactly. He's oh, he's okay at everything. Like maybe he'll get right. the job done. I, I think <laughs> yeah. he's. I think he's utilized. I think the run game in general is utilized poorly by our play call. But right, neither here. But also, there. I mean, you have Josh Allen or Devin Singletary. Like, who do you want with the ball in their hands? You know what I mean? Like, you're not running the ball. You're not running the ball. What the Patriots are because you know and and. So it's interesting. I do want to circle back. You mentioned what they did to Harbaugh uh, in in those playoffs, where Harbaugh yeah. was like, "What's going on?" You know, well, you got a rookie quarterback. He had Tom Brady at that time, right? Tom Brady knows the offense inside and out. He basically created this offense, right? Like yeah, he's been point. in for twenty years. He knows it inside and out. So you throw wrinkles in there, and it's like, yeah, no big deal. I can deal with that. And I think Mac, for the most part, can deal with that stuff too. But to th- to get too exotic like that could be a challenge, especially this week leading up to it. So, you know, that's going to play a factor too, just the fact that he's never played in a playoff game. And I was looking at the, just going back and looking at, you know, Bledsoe way back in 94, actually, when he played Belichick. And then Brady, when he played no one, you know, obviously they won the Super Bowl in 01. And Brady in the snowball ended up throwing 350 yards, which blew me away. I looked at the stats. I'm like, he's over 350 yards in that game. Like, he was pretty bad most of that game. But... Right. He threw for like 550 yards total in 2001. In 2000, in the 2001 playoffs, this is what a lot of people don't know or don't realize. In the 2001 playoffs, the Patriots scored six total touchdowns, six total touchdowns in three games. They scored six total touchdowns. They had a pick six in the Super Bowl. They had a punt return for a touchdown and a blocked kick return for a touchdown against Pittsburgh. They scored one touchdown in the in the Oakland game and one offensive touchdown in, well, they scored one offensive touchdown in each game. Brady ran for a touchdown. Brady threw a touchdown and then Drew Bledsoe threw a touchdown in, in Pittsburgh. So they scored six touchdowns. Brady was on the field for two of them. So like they didn't, they weren't scoring offensively and they kicked a bunch of field goals, but they weren't scoring offensively for the most yeah. part. And so that's where I look at this and say, if you get into a shootout with the Bills, you're not winning this game. 
You're not. The Patriots, if the Patriots are going to win, it's going to be 17-14, 21-8, you know, like something something weird like that where it's kept fairly low scoring. They're not winning, you know, 38-35. That's just not going to happen. They can't do that, right? So, like, and maybe they can if Josh throws a pick six or, you know, they block a field goal in return for touchdown. But they're going to have to score somewhere else if they need to put up over 20 points because they're not walking into Buffalo with it being zero degrees out and putting up 28 points on offense. I just don't see them doing that. How much do you think Belichick trusts Mac Jones? I think he trusts I, – I really do think he trusts him pretty much, yeah. uh, like pretty significantly. And the, the reason why is because – when I look at it, they have really kind of opened up the offense for him. They let him do his own thing. Now, he doesn't always throw it deep, but I don't know how much of that is read your keys, get rid of the ball. I don't know. You know, like like it's hard to know whether they're saying don't throw it deep, don't look deep, or whether they're saying, hey, you know, just play the game you play. And he's saying, you know what, I'm going to take this, I'm going to take the safe throw instead of making the tough throws. It's hard because the middle of the season, they played that Cleveland game and he was making I mean, throw his left and right that you're like, holy crap, did he throw the touchdown to Kendrick Bourne in double coverage where Bourne goes up in between two guys and catches it in the end zone? It was yeah. unbelievable. And that's the type of stuff that he was that he's been doing. He hasn't been doing consistently. So you don't know if maybe he hit a little bit of a rookie wall, maybe his confidence is a little bit shaking because he hasn't played so well the last few weeks. Like uh, maybe he's overthinking things like we don't really know what's going on right now. I do think they trust him, but at the same time, they're not walking into Buffalo on Saturday saying, all right, we're going to throw the ball 50 times like they would with Brady. Like they're going to run the ball, you know, they're going to, and they, that's why like at the, during the season, we were, you know, we get to the number one seed, we beat Buffalo, we get to the number one seed. And we're like, oh my God, we've won seven straight, like <laughs> unbelievable. Like, yeah. right. We're nine and four. We're like, holy crap. Like this is it. And then, but what was happening was, the defense was playing great. They were forcing a ton of turnovers and they were running the ball effectively. And Mac was playing good enough. He was making two or three throws a game where you were like, okay, that's a great throw. And then the rest of the time he was checking it down. He was, you know, 10 yard, you know, 10 yard crossing patterns, things like that. Easy throws. And then every, like I say, every now and again, it's like, whoa, okay, that was a great throw. Then they come off the bye and they're not forcing turnovers anymore. They're running the ball still pretty effectively, but now more of that relies on Mac on the offense. And in order for this team to be successful, they need to have a great defense. And they also need to have a good special teams. And that, you know, again, the, the Indianapolis game, which they got killed in the Indianapolis game, and they still were down three points or two minutes left to go in the game. And of course, Taylor runs out of that long touchdown. But like, if they had stopped the Colts there, they have a chance to win the game at the end of the game, and they had no business being in that game because they were getting killed. But that game turned when Indy blocked a punt and returned for a touchdown. And so you look at it and say, well, there's your special teams right there. When your special teams gives up the ball and your defense can't stop them and get turnovers, you're going to lose. And I, I think that that's really the key for the Patriots is, yes, Mac's been fine. He's been fine, but he's not going to go out and win you a game. That's not I don't think anyone expects that of him. I think I don't think the Patriots expect that of him. And I don't think it's fair to expect that from him. When's the last time you saw a rookie quarterback ever do that, no matter who it was? You yeah. know, so like so to and especially in the playoffs. So to me, it's like you have to rely on the defense and the special teams. And in this case, the running game for the Patriots too. If they're not playing great, then you know it doesn't I mean, shoot, the Patriots lost by ten to the Bills. The Bills scored well, the Bills were in the red zone all seven drives. <laughs> it's seven drives and seven times in the red they zone. They were like, very efficient that game. That's <laughs> not getting it done. That's not getting it done. And and Josh had a great game. Don't get me wrong. Like it wasn't like it wasn't like the Patriots just sucked and you know and let the Bills do whatever they want. Josh had a great game. Yeah. But like you still got to find a way to step up, step up and make a play. Yeah. And despite Josh's great game and going into the fourth quarter, that game was still a one score game. I mean, right. they, it could have anything. Anything could have happened. Right. 
I heard what you said about the trust factor between um, Belichick and McCorkle. And I'm uh, thinking about like, <laughs> okay, how do we expand that now to um, not just, not just Mac Jones, but to the strategy of being pass reliant in general. And especially I'm asking this on the idea that Isaiah Wynn, kind of a, kind of a question mark here going in. Yeah, practice this so, week, I don't and, think so. Right. No. And so we know also that uh, a key to being successful against the Patriots is to put a lot of pressure on Mac Jones. Um, and the Bills have kind of upped their game as far as the pass rush goes. I and mean, we had nine sacks in our last game. So uh, if, if the pass rush is hot for us, is that something that you anticipate happening on Saturday night in terms of will it be more run game reliant or will there, or will there be little faith in the ability to be efficient in the pass game because of the pass rush, because of that loss of win? Well, it's a good question. I mean, look, you know, I know what's the second half of the season and it might actually end up being the whole season. I'm not sure, but I do know in the second half of the season, Mac is the most blitzed quarterback in the NFL. There's a reason for that, right? The tape gets out. There's a reason for that. Okay. When there are extra rushers coming, he's settling. He's not taking the deep shot. He's not saying, okay, you're going to bring blitzes on me. Sure. And he stays in the pocket and takes a hit, but he's trying to get that ball out. Right. And so he's not even looking to that deep option. He's saying, no, the blitz is coming. I got to get the ball out quick and then they can anticipate those things and read them and you know and make those plays you know that's definitely a concern that's definitely a concern and it's a little bit different of course you know i mean look if you can if you can rush the, the pastor with four and get pressure you're going to beat anyone right that's like it's like the giants key to success against the patriots was you know with brady was rush four and get pressure and it's like well i mean if you could do that that would work for everyone you know what i mean but right. it's like but the giants were able to do it successfully in two Super Bowls, and that's why they won and so like if you can get there without blitzing and you're still getting there, uh, Patriots are going to, it's going to be a long day for the Patriots if you can get pressure on them. Because, you know, any any quarterback is like that, but especially where you have, a, you know, a fairly, and Mac's not immobile. He's not like a statue like some of these guys are, you know, but he's certainly not a Josh Allen. He certainly doesn't have that dynamic, you know, where he can get out of the pocket and escape pressure and stuff. He has a little bit of the Brady thing where he can maneuver the pocket, but I mean, he's not as good as, obviously not as good as Brady is, but like he's decent at like maneuvering the pocket and shifting around a little bit. But if that pocket collapsed on him, he's got nowhere to go. So he's got to get rid of the ball or take a sack, right? And so Wynn doesn't play or if Wynn is hobbled and, you know, and doesn't play well because of it, it could be a really long day for the Patriots. And especially with, you know, the Bills have invested a ton of draft capital in their edge rushers, right? So Gregory Rousseau, who they spent a first round draft pick on this year, you know, he's played okay this year. But if he pops this game and all of a sudden like has a few really nice rushes and, and gets in the quarterback's face, you know, a decent amount. And so, you know, AJ Epinesa, who I, I, I don't, I feel like people are a little down on him, but like still, you know, if some of those guys can get after the quarterback now, all of a sudden you're looking at it saying they can get pressure with four. We're in, we're in big trouble here. So look, I, I think just going to have a, a, a they're going to run first. That's what they're going to do. They're going to try to establish the run. They're going to, you know, send the two backs at you, you know, both, Harris and um and Stevenson but like you have to throw the ball at some point you have to and you know if you can stop that run or at least slow it down to the point where the Patriots can't consistently get first downs now they have to throw the ball and you know that's that doesn't really that doesn't really bode well for the Patriots I think they're going to be okay I think for the most part Mac will be okay I just don't know they're just such small like so that it's it's hard, but we've gone back and forth and kind of looked at the looked at the plays. The, the Leonard interception is such an interesting play because he looks over to the left, which Nikhil Harry's running a a, a a sluggo, so he's running a slant up, and he looks to the left to try to draw Leonard to the left, and then he comes back to the middle to Hunter Henry, but he waits, he waits like a, a half a second to 
throw that ball. And because he waits the half a second, it gets picked off, right? He did the same thing against the Bills where he had um it was the it was not the was it the bills game i think it was the bills oh no no it was the second interception in the in the indie game he had bolden in the flat and he waited and he was late on it it was a right read but he's late on it it allowed the running the uh the the linebacker to get over and make the play right against the bills they where the ball gets tipped in the air and picked off he runs the play fake everyone bites up great but he holds it an extra second it allows the, the linebacker to get back, get his hand up, the ball gets tipped in the air and gets picked off. Those are things where he's making the right read. He's making the throw that you want him to make. He's just not making it on time. And like when you look at a guy, the biggest difference, I think, and you know, people talk about Brady and, and all this other stuff, but like what Brady does so well is that everything is perfect. Everything is it's perfect. It's not like it doesn't have to be, and that's the thing with these running quarterbacks like a Josh Allen and a Lamar and, and guys like that. You can move around. It doesn't have to be perfect. You don't have to have the perfect timing because you can extend the play and then you can make the throw. Or you got a guy like with, with the arm talent that Josh Allen has. He doesn't have to make a perfect throw because he can put extra muscle on it and get it there anyways. Whereas a guy like Mac Jones doesn't have that arm. He has to make everything perfect. It has to be the right read. It has to be on time. It has to be in the right spot. And if it's not, now you're talking about trouble. And so that's going to be the question is, can he be on time? and make those right reads at the right time and put it in the right spot. And for the most part, he's been okay. But those three or four different times, he hasn't. And then that's that's the issue, you know? Yeah, that's a great point. Tony, How, how Pat mentioned a, a guy that I'm, I'm curious about. Hunter Henry, him and Jonu Smith, a lot of money towards th- being thrown at them in the offseason by the Patriots. They totaled one catch in that second game together. Like Jonu Smith had zero catches, Hunter Henry had one. How worried are you about the Bills defending tight ends? How worried are you about Belichick unleashing the potential of those two tight ends? We saw it last year in the playoffs. The Bills struggled against tight ends. Jack Doyle from the Colts had a heck of a game in the wild card round against the Bills. Travis Kelsey in the AFC Championship had a heck of a game against the Bills. How worried are you about those, those Patriots tight ends outperforming their previous uh, performances against the Bills? Matt, I used to be plenty worried about it because I still hold on to the stereotype that the Bills can't <laughs> defend against tight ends. And the more talented the tight end, the less likely we are to win. And they have some talented tight ends over in New England, but I don't know. This season, I haven't, I've kind of broken, this season has kind of broken that stereotype for me in the sense that we've kind of been doing okay. They've sort of figured things out um, as far as the tight ends go. Now, this is interesting because this is the two tight ends situation um, where if it's not one, then it's the other. And we kind of, and we're already, you know, down a Trey White. So I, I don't know. The schemes seem to be working out as far but as we're up a Dane Jackson. Right, but okay, but we're up a Dane Jackson. <laughs> but so, so Pat, is that what you think the sort of like, is that what you think might push the Patriots over the edges? Are you going to be looking for if the tight ends bring it, then the Patriot, then that will lead to a Patriots victory? Or do you think there's another player on offense that like we would say that me and Matt would say is like, well, man, we'd love to see Isaiah McKenzie unleashed in this game. That could really be the X factor for us. Who can we look for on Saturday night to be, um, you know, besides, besides Mac, who we've discussed at length, but there's right. another player who, who maybe we're going to look for and be like, oh man, he's killing us. Like we got to figure that out. Yeah. I mean, the passing game, the tight end in the passing game is huge, right? You have to be able to get the ball to the tight ends, right? And John o. Smith is a guy who it's basically all manufactured touches for him. He's not even, he's running routes, but not often. It's get the ball to him behind the line of scrimmage. You get the ball to him on a quick screen. 
and and let him take off and because he's good after the after the after the catch. But you know, Hunter Henry's a guy where when Mac is feeling it and getting it to Henry, he looks really good. And Kendrick Bourne has been their best receiver all around all year. A guy that I really want to see something out of is, is Nelson Aguilar. They paid him a ton of money. He's got a ton of speed and he just really hasn't done anything this year. And I would love to see him, you know, now that he's healthy, you know, you can press these guys a little bit because right now everyone's saying, all right, we're going to suck everyone up because you got Henry and you got Johnu and you got Jacoby Myers and you got Kendrick Bourne and they're all pretty good. But none of them really stretch the field. They're all kind of underneath. They're all short pass guys. Now we can take the top off the defense with Nelson Aguilar. And one deep throw to Nelson Aguilar that's completed, all of a sudden now we're turning around saying, wait a second now. Okay, maybe we got now we got to step back a little bit, right? So those are the types of things that can change a game. If, if the Bills are planning for everything's going to be short, let's force Mac to get it out quick and tackle. And then all of a sudden, Nelson Aguilar is running by someone and he hits him for a 40-yard gain. That's something where now the Bills got to rethink like, oh, crap, now do we have to like pull back a little bit? And then that can open up things underneath. That's a guy for me that I don't know if he'll do anything, but I'd love to see him actually you know do something because he hasn't done much all year long. I think that, that's a good one. Uh, Tony, who's one guy in the Bills you want to see? Kind of a maybe maybe surprise pick of, of who could be an X factor in this game real quick. Mm, who comes to mind is I would love to see. Uh, I was going to say like a Dawson Knox. See, I was going to say like a, I was going to take a defense. I was going to say like Matt Milano. Oh, yeah. Well, he's always I would good. love to see. Well, yeah, I, want I mean, like, I want to live he's good. Come. He's good because he <laughs> handles his business. But I'm talking about like that's who they're talking about on the highlight reel. That's who they're talking about on Good Morning Football is a man yeah. Especially in the I, I think the writing's on the wall, like with this tight end work that we're talking about. Yeah. That yeah. Can really, if like, if he, he can needs to step up. If he can be, yeah, like if he could be the Swiss Army knife for this game and be there in the passing game, but be there in the pass rush, be there against the run, because obviously we have to work obviously based on the first game that we played each other, we have to worry about the run. Like that could be in the second that could game. Get us I mean, in the Harris game. had three touchdowns. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, good point. It was just we were just less worried about it at the time. But you're right. right. Yeah. So to see to see a Milano come in, but on offense, I just want to see Ryan Bates get a touchdown. <laughs> we are a big fan of our new yeah, offensive we're... line stud, Ryan Bates. <laughs> right. That's what it is. It's all about Ryan Bates. Can we make Ryan it's Bates? It's all about the Ryan Bates. We don't talk about be. anything else on this podcast except Love it. No. Love it. It's basically a Ryan Bates. A random we need more old lineman talk. We need more old lineman talk. We just do. Always. Who doesn't you love know? good old lineman talk? That's so much I, out there. <laughs> I'll tell you, I don't know about you guys, but during during that Sunday night game this weekend, I was rooting for the for the Raiders to win. And obviously I wanted the tie at the end because the tie would have been hilarious. But like hilarious, yeah. I was rooting for the Raiders to win because I wanted the Bills. I really did. And, and not because I think the Patriots are going to beat the Bills, because I think that, you know, the Bills probably should win. The Patriots have a chance to win, but the Patriots probably should win. Uh, the Bills probably should win. I mean, right. but the, the I think the Bengals should have beaten the Patriots too if the Patriots played the Bengals. And my thought process was, okay, Patriots are probably going to lose in the first round, but if they do win in the first round, I would so much rather have that win be against the Bills than the Bengals. Who cares about the Bengals? <laughs> okay, you beat the Bengals. They got, you know, you know, second-year quarterback. He, you know, has trouble against Belichick. You know, second-year coach. Like, that guy's got no shot against Belichick. Whereas, you know, okay, great. Fine, the Patriots beat him. If you go into Buffalo and beat the Bills after they win the after they are talking so much trash after that second win, and oh, we won the East again, well, but that, and you walk into Buffalo and win, whoo, man, I, we could lose by fifty the next game. It doesn't even matter. So I don't know if you guys feel the same way. You know, we'll beat the 
beating the Patriots in the playoffs. But like that was kind of my thought. Process. And we might get killed. And so it might be my backfire because we get killed by the Bills instead. But like to me, it's like I kind of expect this team to lose in the in the first round of the playoffs. I just don't know how much they have. And yeah. so I'm like, well, if, but if they're going to win, I'd rather be <laughs> I'd rather be against the Bills than the, than the, than the Bengals. So could not could not agree more. I feel the exact oh. same way. If we if could, we win, I'm glad it's against the Patriots, and then we'll go to KC and hopefully we win there. Obviously, but right, right. at least we well, beat the Patriots. In a sense, I could not disagree with you more. I was not looking for the Patriots <laughs> to see to see in the first round at all. I was. I, I, I think don't, we could beat them. I no. The idea of playing the Patriots, man. like if this is a sports movie, I just want my er, the early rounds of my playoffs to be the montage right. of teams I don't care about. Right, right, right. I don't need this to be Mighty Ducks against the Hawks in the first round where we have all this, where we have like all this emotion behind it. Yeah. I don't need that. I need, I need teams that I don't care about. I can skip through this, expect to win, get a win, mark it off while right. the song is playing in the background and then get to what matters later. Well, that's Dan Shaughnessy. Dan Shawnee used to call it the March of the Tomato Cans. Uh, Patriots would have the first round matchup, and they would always be someone terrible with the Texans, and it was the you know the Jaguars, and it was the you know this team and that team, and they were all just terrible. They'd come to New England and they'd beat them by thirty, and then oh, okay, we're on the AFC Championship game, and it was just like you know that poor team walking in had no shot to ever win, you know. So yeah, you'd like that, you know what I mean? But you know it's. The way it goes, I guess, right? So yeah, it's gonna be good. Yeah, uh, Pat, Pat, we gotta we gotta wrap it up here. We're running out of time. Uh, we only have we don't like to have our listeners like we could talk about the bills forever, of course. But <laughs> first of all, thank you so much for being on the pod. We really appreciate the time. Always glad to have you back. Uh, if you want to come back, of course, and and have a nice civil discussion about the Bills Patriots, as as we we proved here today. As I yeah, started. Uh, I think so. Give a give a plug to our listeners for your podcast. Yeah, so uh, we are the Patriot Nation podcast. We're through Pat's Pulpit, which is the SB Nation affiliate. So. Uh, if you go into patspulpit.com or you listen to Pat's Pulpit, we've had uh, Spence on there from Buffalo Rumblings and uh, and yep. Greg also from from Cover One. So uh, just talking bills and whatnot. So I do. Uh, I'm at P Lane underscore Pats on Twitter. I talk obviously Patriots and sports, but also Marvel and whatnot. So uh, always down for a good conversation. Oh, we'll definitely have you back. Then I'm a big Marvel guy myself. There you go. There you go. Love <laughs> yeah, it. listeners, go listen. Uh, go listen to Pat's podcast. Go hit him up on Twitter. Great follow. Great uh, show. I. I did some did some content uh listening beforehand and good stuff pat and thank you man appreciate so much for coming on we really appreciate the time tonight. hey thanks man anytime anytime hey, go know. Bills. <laughs> thanks pat <laughs> see, you. Easy, man. You. see you saturday night yes <laughs> yep later see ya and we are back once again thank you to pat from Patriot Nation podcast, go check him out. Go check him out. Give him a follow. Great insight coming from a Patriots perspective, and maybe some tips for the listeners on how the Bills could exploit the Patriots and how the Patriots might do the same to the Bills. So great stuff from Pat. Make sure to give him a follow. Check out his podcast. Even if you're not a Patriots fan, it's good insight. It's good NFL talk. Uh, good stuff. Who, who would have thought from a Patriots fan, Tony? Good stuff. He was relatively a delight. I did, I did crack a smile every time his uh, his accent came through. It is a great accent. It was a good reminder of, oh yeah, he's the enemy. Oh yeah, he's from Boston. Even though this conversation's pretty normal. Yeah. Oh yeah, that accent brings me back down to earth. Wait, we gotta keep this in reality here. We got a big yeah. big matchup Saturday night. Mm-hmm. We can't be too cordial. Yeah. <laughs> but no, great conversation with Pat. And hopefully the listeners got a lot of great insight and in, uh from his from his knowledge. Tony, let's wrap it up though. Big episode. First of all, thank you, of course, to our sponsor, as always, Traveling Growler, www.travelinggrowler.com. Just five dollars. 
get you a quality koozie from Traveling Growler. Uh, tell them we sent you. We're working on a coupon code. Maybe that $5 koozie turns into a $4.75 koozie. Who knows? Uh, but stay tuned. We're working on something, listeners. Uh, but check out Traveling Growler. All their great products. All their cool designs. Uh, get one for the winter season and, uh, you know, that, that crazy USL, USFL season coming up. You need a, you need a cool koozie for it. Um, now, Matt, will we be premiering our next uh, layer of the Witty Not Funny podcast network with the Witty Not Funny USFL podcast? <laughs> I was kind of thinking, like, we each take a team and just follow them, like, be diehards to them. Mm, and give course. our and give our insight into that one team. This league well, is gonna take... this league is gonna crash and burn so fast. Let's be real. Wow, wow. I think you're the only one excited I, for it. I'm always excited for for, league, for, for a, secondary for football. Yeah, for secondary football. <laughs> and I'm always excited for a football secondary. Big Mike Hyde fan right here. That's right. That is right. <laughs> but yeah. I do I do have to declare right now to you and to the listeners. I'll take whatever team has the most former bills. That, that's a good call. I'm thinking of like a former bill we could see. AJ Tarpley? <laughs> that's always the go-to, right? <laughs> Who unretired, unretired like four times. Um, there, there was some good like XFL, like former bills. Obviously like Cardell Jones. Mm-hmm. He's got to pop up, right? Somewhere. I got to imagine. He often does. He often a lot does. Of like, yeah, a lot of like year one practice squatters. Taking and by a... year one, I mean year one of McDermott. Right, you're right. Cardell Jones taking a break from destroying kids on Madden to, to dabble in professional football again. Uh, dabble. He's, he can dabble. Uh, Tony, t-shirt store. I don't know if you heard. We just released a new t-shirt. Our notorious D-I-G-G-S t-shirt dedicated to our wide receiver number one mr stefan diggs it's a cool design i like it check it out listeners teespring.com search witty not funny all one word check out all the designs not just the newest and latest and greatest but support the podcast get a t-shirt they're only 20 bucks pair that with a five dollar koozie you are set for a weekend a cool t-shirt with a koozie that's a better week what's a better weekend than that (laughs) But yeah, search Winnie Not Funny, all one word, teespring.com. Where to find the podcast? You can find the podcast on the Built in Buffalo podcast network. Follow Built in Buffalo at Built in Buffalo underscore. Check out all their podcasts, dropping every single day, giving you something new, new content, fresh content every single day on Built in Buffalo, doing big things. iTunes, Spotify, wherever you're finding podcasts or listen to for free, search Witty Not Funny, all one word. If you like us, leave us a review. We like to say whether you give us two minutes or two hours of your time, we greatly appreciate it. Subscribe. Show us some love. We really do appreciate it. If this is your first time listening, hope you enjoyed this podcast. Uh, please come back. It's only going to get better from here. Trust me. Trust me. Uh, Tony, Twitter handles. Where can uh, the listeners find you on the Twitterverse? You're making huge promises out there. It's it's 2022, it's Tony. Ever, it's the say, year of oh, big promises. Yeah, in respect to this podcast, to say every episode from now on will be better than every episode we've ever recorded. <laughs> <laughs> that is a huge statement. That is di- that is disrespectful to Kendall Gaskins. I will. Oh, I, I, right. I'm sorry. I mean, obviously, obviously, the Kendall Gaskins episode was was the peak. You know, if yeah, if we're talking about you know canon, witty not funny canon here that the witty not funny super fans are writing into their Reddit threads into the Wikipedia pages. Right. Their yeah, their OnlyFans accounts. Right. Yeah. 
I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because in addition to Traveling Growler <laughs> and in addition to the Teespring, we are opening up the Witty Not Funny OnlyFans. Oh my goodness. Get ready. For only, yeah, for only a modest fee, <laughs> I will give a witty joke directly from my basement wow. to you. Jeez. That is a priceless item right there, listeners. You have to I, jump on that. Well, you know, I mean, it's it's for the fans. How can you it's put a, how can you put fans. a dollar amount on that, Tony? It's priceless. Well, I mean, it's pretty easy because I did. But actually it's four ninety nine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Actually it's four ninety nine. And you will, in fact, buy and then by subscribing to this OnlyFans, you will forfeit any coupon you have to traveling growler. <laughs> I mean, the marketing is is off the wall right now. It, it, we are gonna have to do so much jumping through hurdles on the PR side. Of the, our HR department is getting phone calls nonstop right now. Tony, uh, you can find the podcast, of course, listeners at Witty Sports Seven One Six on Twitter, on the Instagram. Follow us our follow our Facebook page too. We have a Facebook page now uh, where we post our podcast. If you're not on Twitter or Instagram and you're on Facebook, check it out. Give us a follow there as well. Tony, that's all I got other than the send-off. Big weekend. What's your send-off for the listeners? Keep safe, keep warm from your head to your lats, and above all else, beat the pats. I like it. Lats and pats. Good good Dr. Seuss in there. Oh, thanks. Uh, the secret was I had to think of a body part that rhymed with pats. <laughs> and I came up with lats. Lats. Yeah, that, that is a body part that rhymes with pets. Good job. Thank you, Rhyme Zone. Shout out Rhyme to bring this episode full <laughs> Shout circle. Shout out Rhyme Zone. <laughs> to bring the episode full circle here. <laughs> Absolutely. Shout uh, out to Rhyme Zone. Uh, I'm going to say go Bills, of course. Uh, and to those going to the game, it's going to be frigid. It's going to be bitter cold. Uh, Josh Allen's circulation is something I have to worry about now, 48 hours leading up to the game. Uh, I also worry about those attending the game circulation. Stay warm as best as you can, uh, and, and cheer your arses off. Like, that's all I got to say. And hopefully they come out with a victory. Tony, that's all I got. Uh, as, as, and, and as we always say, there we go. Stay with you out there, everyone. Thanks for listening. Peace. Bye. Bye. Later. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? 
These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.